The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Tonight, we continue on with our expectations series and two new players, Chuck Clark and Kevin Zeitler, to look at our expectations for, for their season coming up. Joining me to do that is Peter Kokoros. Peter, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, excited. Always a pleasure to talk Ravens football with you, Ken. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, it's, it's, it's great to have you guys. And uh, uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you for the first yeah, so um, I'm a co-host on One Winning Pod. Uh, if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, you've heard uh, my other co-hosts, Alec and Chris, on some pretty recent episodes. Um, so, yeah, we're doing a lot of fun stuff this off season. so you can give us a listen. All right. So let's talk about Chuck Clark first, and uh, uh, maybe I'll remind the listeners a little bit about what the whole theme is of this, and you probably have heard an episode by now, but... Uh, we take two disparate players. And in this case, we're taking one offense, one defense. We're not trying to get players who are competing each other's at the same position. I'm trying to get a broad set of analysts in to talk about two players they like. So that was the goal here. And uh, then we'll talk about you know where they potentially fit in their position group. 
and uh, some goals for for this year and uh, end with a good and a great season uh, for each of them, what would that mean? Uh, so anyway, Peter, we'll start with Chuck Clark here. Uh, strong safety in the green dot for the 2021 Ravens. Job was like hurting cats in a lot of way with the <laughs> cornerback set he had at the end of last year. Not particularly good. And, uh, you know, I think he can be excused personally for some of the arrangement of the secondary and the breakdowns of the secondary that happened uh, once the personnel got very thin. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, the Ravens had to ask a lot out of Chuck Clark last year with the way the injuries just kept coming. You know, it was kind of like you'll see it in cartoons in the when a boat is sinking and then there's one hole and then the character has to plug another and just they run out of limbs and it just keeps sinking. And um, unfortunately, that was the Ravens secondary last year. And uh, the Ravens made a lot of moves this offseason to shore that up. Uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey will be coming back. So hopefully it's a, it's a better season for Chuck Clark and the secondary as a whole uh, this season. Yeah, I, I can tell you from over the years that the, the, the years where the secondary has gotten really badly injured are universally some of the worst years in Ravens history. That 2007 season, which was a nightmare before – you know, they drafted Joe Flacco and Ray Rice and Harbaugh came in as, as coach was a terrible year. Billick's last. Um, the the uh, uh, 2013 season had a fair number of injuries in the second <laughs> secondary. That was not a good one and not a good one for lots of other reasons, too. And of course, 2021 will remember in the same very negative light. Another bad one was 2005. Uh, one of the good things that came out of that was Adilis Thomas ended up playing a lot of snaps at safety. They played 265 snaps that year with only three defensive backs. So uh, they made they made do that year, but it was still a bad Ravens team. All right. Well, the offseason signing of Marcus Williams, uh, you know, seemed to solidify what Clark's role was going to be on this team. Uh, you know, they 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 got their free safety. You think Clark's the, the strong safety? Certainly has the green dot. And then uh, somehow the Ravens were presented with the option for a rare value pick, and they take Kyle Hamilton. Uh, EG, EDC could not decline it. I. I, I you know, very heartily agree with the uh, value-seeking sentiment there. But uh, were you surprised? I was not surprised that the Ravens took Hamilton once they he fell to them. I was surprised that Hamilton fell that far in the draft, though. Um, with all the talk there was about him being a, a generational safety talent, one of the best safety talents to come out of uh, college in quite some time, um, you know, a lot of mock drafts, which, I mean, they're just speculation, so you really can't take mock drafts for anything, as we know. But there was a lot of talk that he would go high. Um, there was some rumors I saw that Atlanta was interested in him. Obviously, they went with Drake London instead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know, listening to your show, you did touch on Kyle Hamilton and the possibility that the Ravens, you would be a good fit for the Ravens. But I know for myself, I was just not prepared at all for him to be an option for the Ravens. So... Um, I'm still wrapping my head around it too, a bit with, because it's just such a, such a shock that he's here, but, um, you know, the Ravens, they do best player available in the draft better than almost any organization in football. And, um, yeah, it was a great move. It's very exciting that they got him. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Clark. Uh, of course, had some not comments, but he had some things he did on Twitter after the fact that 
led us down a, you know, kind of a dark rabbit hole about what he might be feeling or, you know, wanting a trade or what might be the situation. There was rumors that there, there were discussions that went on, which I, you know, they discussed a lot of players. It's not just Chuck Clark. It's a, it's a whole <laughs> lot of players get talked about, but uh, you know, Clark removed the Ravens from his Twitter handle. Originally he did show up at OTAs and uh, apparently is taking a, you know, a leadership role there, which is great. Um, it seems to me like he might be more upset with his contract than any kind of risk that he won't be a starter or won't have the green dot. Yeah, I, I would say that that probably makes sense, at least for this year. Um, as I'm sure we'll talk about it, the Ravens use a variety of defensive packages. Uh, they did under Wink, I imagine, based on you know that McDonald has been in the building and what he did in Michigan, that they'll continue to use uh, a lot of sets that'll require three safeties on the field. Um, you know, Hamilton's going to have a big role in this defense in 2022, I would imagine, given his draft capital. Um, but I still think that there's a huge role here for Chuck Clark, especially when you're transitioning to a new defense. Um, as you mentioned, he was a green dot guy, um, has a great football IQ. Um, I, I think he's has a, a clear path to continuing to be a starter on the team this year in a huge role. Um, but yeah, the Ravens have him at, uh, a cheap contract. Um, he's outplayed that. So I can certainly see him being upset, uh, in that regard. Um, and you know, he might be thinking long-term, uh, if Hamilton does cut into some of his playing time, how's that going to affect his value as a role from a, from a business perspective for himself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting to watch, um, what's going to happen with, with Clark and how he approaches uh, his role on the team. Yeah, that, that is a risk that he, he could be worth slightly less on the open market. But in terms of, is it, he's outplayed his contract and he's, and he deserves a new one right now and whatnot. I don't believe that's really fair. I mean, Clark, when he signed this contract was coming out of his third year, both teams wanted what they had. There's divisible benefit always on the table when you sign somebody early like that that the team is taking a little bit of extra injury risk. The player is getting some more security for less long-term money than they might get if they, if they, you know, played it out in year four. And, and that's what happened with Clark. Uh, it turned out to be a great move for the Ravens, a better move for the Ravens than a move for Clark. But, you know, honestly, Clark's value to the Ravens is probably higher than it is to most other teams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have a green dot position open where a lot of other teams don't, you know, a lot of other teams have an inside linebacker, who's already wearing that and not giving it up. Exactly. And, and you bring up a great point with um, the fact that Clark's value to the Ravens um, and his role in this team is probably bigger than um, it is for the average of the NFL. And um, I understand where some fans are coming from where, you know, you might want to explore a trade with Clark um, for a wide receiver, even though I don't personally agree with it. And I think you hit the hit Ned right on the hip the nail right on the head right there with, you know, saying what Clark's role is to this team and what his value is to the team is greater than any, what any team is going to want to give up for that, for that to be an equal trade for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I definitely agree with that point there. So Clark obviously has played well in 19 to 21. This is not obvious to everyone, because, but I believe he has played well over those three years. He was a dime back. 
2019 for a lot of his snaps. The Ravens played a ton of dime that year, and and he was very effective in that role. In my opinion, the the, the best ever dime back the Ravens have had, and that's really saying a lot. He's played strong safety. He's played free safety when when required, um, and uh, done a fine job really at all. I think he has underappreciated skills as a ball hawk. Um, certainly has those low zone skills as well. Uh, if cover an area over the middle of the field, read the passer, understand what's going on around him in terms of the route uh, route combinations. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of value there. And a good downhill defender against the run, guy who won't lose a running back necessarily on a screen pass, meaning he won't let him get out ahead where uh, you know he's, he's got a, a good chance to, to uh, get you a first down. Uh, I just I, I'm really a big Chuck Clark fan, and I expect him to go into this season with the green dot still. Uh, I hope that doesn't change. Yeah, he's a bit more of a subtle player on the Ravens' defense. Um, not necessarily flashy in the way a lot of fans of the NFL would consider a flashy player, but if you if you watch him, um, he's always around the ball, like you're saying. Um, you know, the, the one knock on him I would say is that he, he doesn't force many turnovers for a guy who's around the ball as much as he is, um, which is forgivable, certainly. But um, we're also talking about a team that once Marcus Peters went down last year, was really searching for someone to step Mm -hmm. up and force turnovers. And um, that just didn't happen with the current cast of characters they had that year. Um, But yeah, you know, I was really thinking back about it because um, Chuck Clark's a guy we talk a lot about uh, on our podcast um, a little in jest sometimes. Um, sorry, Alec. We all we all have takes that that age poorly. Um, that's just going to happen when you do it. But we always rag on Alec a little bit because when we did our uh, roster prediction show in in 2019, uh, Alec had Chuck Clark among his last cuts on the Ooh. roster that year, and <laughs> Chris and I gave him a little a little bit of um, a little bit of grief for that. But we, we, we all, we've all had some some bad takes here and there. So. Um, Alec has certainly had plenty of, of great takes, as he's, uh, anyone who's listened to this show knows as well. But, um, yeah, you know, what's funny about it is I look back on it, I can't really remember when Chuck Clark came onto the scene for the Ravens. Um, you know, obviously in 2018, he had the pick of Patrick Mahomes in that uh, tough loss against the Chiefs. But his skill set is so subtle to the casual, you know, observer Um He's, it just kind of feels like he just showed up on the Ravens at one point and was just always there, just uh, doing his thing and, um, you know, doing what the defense needed. And, you know, it's, it's good to have players like that. You know, it's exciting to have the big highlight guys, but uh, having guys who are just really solid technicians and just, you know, really high football IQ is extremely valuable for a team. Yeah, jumped right in and took the green dot when need arose. And you know, the other guy we've kind of seen that from is Geno Stone, that that he took That's the true. green dot when the need arose. And and uh uh it is nice to have first of all a succession plan, but uh but second of all, to have guys who are really capable of stepping up and and taking what's a what's a fairly difficult assignment additionally, in addition to your to your personal responsibilities to be relaying the calls to the uh to the field. So anyway, let's move on and talk for some goals for Chuck Clark this year. I talked a little bit about, about retaining the green dot. That's one of my goals, which means he'll play every snap where he's healthy. That's what it means to have the green dot is you, you really never come off the field. Um, but I think that it, within that, he probably will play a lot of dime back 
and some big nickel where he's a, where he's a, effectively the slot corner opposite a, a tight end um, as part of that. So I think he'll be on the field for a snap, but I think he'll be he'll be on the back end a, a, a less than he used to be and at dime back where he's been very comfortable. And again, a big nickel where he's opposite a tight end. Yeah, absolutely. You, you brought up 2019 as um, a great year where he was um, in the dime quite a bit. And you look at what did the Ravens have in 2019. You had a true free safety in Earl Thomas. And then for obvious reasons, that didn't work out long term. But now in the signing of Marcus Williams, the Ravens are back in that situation. You know, are Earl Thomas and Marcus Williams the exact same player? No, but they're both that that deep uh, free safety can play center field um, and give Clark uh, to really stay in that zone more so where that's he really shines. Um, and... Yeah, again, I'll just go back to, you know, for one of my goals for him, um, as we discussed, it, it ties into the green dot, making sure everyone's lined up, making sure everyone understands mm-hmm. the coverages uh, in this new defense. Uh, it's We're beaten to death with how great of a football IQ this guy has, and he's shown it, and I think that he's going to be critical for how quickly the Ravens are going to be able to implement uh, this new scheme to uh, as high of level as they can. Right. And, you know, we hope it's it's very DB heavy, at least I do, but uh, uh, it certainly makes sense, I think, given the personnel that they have. But one of the things I want from Clark is is to be able to organize a better pass defense, uh, enable them to be able to organize mm-hmm. a better pass defense by removing the inside linebackers. They've been the biggest coverage weakness. Clark will be responsible for making sure that that everything is organized. But I think having Jefferson and Clark, for example, um, it, it, at those two linebacker positions on third and eight plus, third and six plus, whatever it might be, uh, provides the Ravens with not only a, a big opportunity to lean on other teams in terms of turnovers, but just to play a lot better pass defense than they have in the middle of the field uh, the last two, three years. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm still holding out hope for Queen. Um, he makes some incredible athletic plays at times. And then it feels like the next play he makes a a play that, like you said, will necessitate Tony Jefferson, who was uh, the Ravens were able to get uh, off the free agent market late in the season last year to be a necessary piece on this defense over a a former first round pick. Um, But yeah, that will absolutely be a critical area for the Ravens as they, they did struggle in that area last year. Um, let's see. What else would I like from Clark? I want to be able to change position to a Hamilton to make big plays when he's in. I think the same could go for Patrick Queen as well, that that uh, Clark is able to move to places that allow Patrick Queen to do some things and unlock value there. Uh, one of the possibilities is that Queen stays in on some higher leverage passing down, some third and eight, nine, ten plus uh, instead of Jefferson. And you use him primarily as a pass rusher. Now, I don't, I'm not really crazy about that because it starts by you're effectively telling the opponent what you're doing with one of your players. And I, I don't like doing that. But on the other hand, you know, Queen can work off the quickness from several. And while you're telling him that he's probably rushing the passer, you're not telling him where. And if he's working from <laughs> off ball a little bit, he can he can pick his gap and hopefully get home quickly, create some quick pressures that way. Yeah, I can see that working. Um, you know, Queen has uh been more effective in his career when he's had a vet by his side. We've seen that with Josh Bynes. Um, Bynes is back, obviously, but 
you know, as much as I like Josh Bynes, he's been on, uh, you know, the Ravens have re-signing him for the third time for a reason. <laughs> you yeah. know, they can get, they can have better uh, value there, better um, guys helping Queen out. Um, and I think, yeah, that could be de- definitely something they could take advantage of. Sorry about that. I was muted there for a second. Thanks for hitting me up in chat. You can, <laughs> don't have to make me feel bad about that. You can go ahead and tell me out loud. One of the things I want to see more, though, out of Clark this year is uh, better rotational coverages, maybe some robber play when he is on the back end. Uh, but but they've got three safeties that will give them opportunity to do some really outrageous things. I look back to um, Rob Ryan's 2006 defense And one of the things he had is he had a a fair number of outside blitzes, outside corner blitzes, meaning uh, Samari Roll actually uh, sacked Michael Vick that year uh, from the outside. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that enabled that was Dwan Landry's ability to step in in coverage of Samari Roll's receiver. And the Ravens have some opportunities to do that, whether it's, you know, a player like Brandon Stevens maybe doing that, or it could be Hamilton directly doing it. It could it could be Clark even doing it. And I think, you know, the more ways you can come at the opponent like that, I think the better. Uh, I Not everything has to be, you know, 3,000 options on every single play, but it's really nice to have extra options uh, when you don't have great one-on-one winners and you're trying to generate very quick pressures. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, some way this defense can get around uh, some of the, the lack of uh, edge rushers that they currently have from the true, you know, outside linebacker defensive end perspective. Um, you know, Clark is, is underrated in his ability to uh, run blitz and, and um, pressure the quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely can be very effective in safety blitzes if that's what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's another uh, thing that's going to give them some more options um, to, uh, to not telegraph, uh, like you were saying with, um, with queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, other goals for you for, for Clark for this season? Um, you know, I think the only other goal is, uh, like I said earlier, um, hit the jugs machine a bit, I guess, <laughs> you know, he okay. uh, dropped a couple interceptions last year and, um, you know, I don't really know if there's a, a way a guy can, um, you know, really improve, uh, their ability to to force turnovers, you know, a lot of that comes down to luck. There is some skill involved in it as well, or else guys like, you know, Marcus Peters and Ned Reed wouldn't be as good as they were. Um, but, and, you know, obviously there's so many things that Clark does well that if he still, you know, continues to average around two to three turnovers a year and someone else steps up, yeah, that's obviously fine. Um, but it is a thing with this defense for a while that's been, uh, a continued point that the, even the coaching staff has been hammering. Well, we need to figure out how to generate turnovers. And it feels like a guy who has such a great nose for where the football is and, um, it, you know, such a good knowledge of, um, of the defense uh, would be an, an opportunity to, uh, to generate more turnovers. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I agree. I agree entirely on that. 
Uh, if you don't have other uh, uh, goals for him, how about what's a good year for you for Chuck Clark? I think a good year for Chuck Clark um, is, you know, just more of the same of what he's been doing, um, which is kind of a boring answer, but he's just a player who's who's been so consistent. Um, I feel like his floor is probably kind of what we saw last year, just because, you know, he had to be stretched so thin. And, you know, he still held up fairly well. So, um, you know, just continuing to be the guy to wear the green dot and make sure that the younger players on the defense know the scheme. Um, you know, if I, I would say if that's all that Clark does this year is kind of, you know, a coach on the field and, and makes a, a big player to here and there, um, that would still be a very good season for him. All right. That's, uh, that's good. I like that. I, that certainly would be a good season as you defined it. Um, what I would say, I, I would, I would step it back a level on what could be a good season. Cause I think he can actually have a good season, even if he has to give up the green dot. Hmm. And what I'd say is he does whatever is asked of him and continues to play well in whatever role that is that McDonald chooses for him. And that certainly could include reduced snaps. If Hamilton is just too good to be true and, and, has to be on the forces way on the field essentially for every snap. If that happens, it's a good problem to have. He might, in fact, take over the green dot if that were the case. And uh, if if so, then uh, you know Clark succeeding in, in dime play, in in uh, playing big nickel, in hopefully an expanded number of total snaps where they play with three safeties um, would be uh, would be I think still good. And and I I think the Ravens would be well served to get three safeties on the field, given the quality of players they had there as often as possible in 2022. How about a great year? Um, I think a great year is, uh, you know, Clark doing his role to perfection and pairing uh, extremely well with Marcus Williams to get the passing defense back to uh, 2019 levels. And uh, you know what? Let's, let's uh, aim high for the guy, uh, a seven turnover year. Seven turnover year. Okay, that is that is it definitely is high. Uh, Mike Gray uh, retains the green dot, plays every snap, contributes personally to a defense which takes a big step forward from the black hole of 2021. So they were last in pass defense. Can't see that again. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to a to a defense that could lean on opponents when they had the lead. And and part of that obviously is on the offense. They've got to deliver some leads, and uh, they should. They're better. They're they're you know greatly improved and they'd be improved frankly just by having Jackson back full time. But they've made improvements on the offensive line. Uh, you know they they've got a couple of new tight ends and I think the net uh, of the, even with the loss of Marquise Brown is positive for that group. Sound good in terms of the great? Absolutely, yeah. That's right. a great year. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, let's move on to Kevin Zeitler then. Uh, Kevin's in year two of a three-year deal. That really looks like a bargain now, too. These are two real good bargain contracts for the Ravens. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll uh, Zeitler's contract, if he plays only this year, will end up being two years for $16 million. He's worth every penny. Uh, if he if he plays next year, it'll be three years for $22 million. Uh, really very reasonably priced right guard. Uh, he was the Ravens' best and most consistent lineman in 2021. I'll talk through his grades in a moment, but what what else do you have to say about Kevin at a, at a macro level? You know, I think just kind of like Clark, 
um, a guy who is not the flashiest but came in and was basically exactly what we expected coming in from free agency. And, you know, that's not always the case with these guys. Um, he, he's not too old, but he is a little older, uh, coming in at, at I believe, 31 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, some outlets I saw said that he kind of had a down year last year for the Giants. I didn't watch any film to confirm or deny that. So, um, you know, it's, it's really not 100% a given when these guys come in. But especially if we look at what, you know, some free agent signings that have happened, um, you know, even just comparing him to Alejandro Villanueva, who's in a diff- who was in a different stage of his career despite just being one year older. Mm-hmm. Um, we had heard some definite rumbles from, you know, our uh, Pittsburgh, fans. Pittsburgh fans that he had lost a step. So I don't think we were expecting him to be as bad as he was, but it was certainly not surprising that he wasn't um, the villain way we were expecting. But um, yeah, he just came in here. He was a, a solid pro and uh, not unlike Clark, uh, held up the sinking ship that was the Ravens offensive line. Yeah, very, very much like Clark in terms of he was he was the guy making the line calls uh, for the line. I'll, I'll work through his grades here quickly. And this is this is my scoring of him. This is not PFFs. This is not representative of anybody else necessarily. But he really only had two bad games uh, during the season, two really bad games. The Detroit game, uh, he had an F and uh, he was quite bad in that game, gave up. Uh, more than one sack. It's one and a sixth, actually, because I'll allow fractional sacks to occur. He had 10 yards of penalties and he gave up two and a half pressures. And he really looked a little bit overmatched in that game. It had me worried mm-hmm. in, in week three because he got a C plus, an A and an F in the first three games. And I'm going, well, this is not exactly what we were hoping for. Uh, but then he reeled off eight straight weeks of A's and B's. A, B, B, B plus, A minus, A, B, A for the next eight weeks. And, you know, it's fine to have an occasional trip to the bathroom if you're an offensive lineman. There is a fairly significant amount of variation in week-to-week play, just like, hey, at cornerback or at running mm-hmm. back, you have different, you know, or, or quarterback or any position. You, you know, you have differences <laughs> in, in in level of play on a on a per-game basis. And so Zeitler had a little bit of that, but but he was a lot more like Marshall Yonda in terms of really consistent performance week after week uh, than he was like uh, – some of the other guys who who just look like a sine curve in terms of their, um, uh, you know, up and down nature of their uh, of their play. So very happy with Zeitler uh, for the year. Um, I, the signing now looks fantastic uh, relative to uh, uh, to what they thought they were probably getting with him. Uh, he's now missed only one game in the last seven series, uh, seven seasons rather, and nine in a ten year career. So really an Iron Man too, and and. Despite his age, I would really hope that you know that's evidence of a guy who's taking care of his body and is able to uh, keep going out there. Yeah, I, I did notice that um, while preparing my notes for this episode, and and I'll admit I hadn't. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it came as a surprise, but I, I hadn't known that he had uh, escaped injury that much in his career, which um, a huge testament. Uh, to him and how he's training his body. Hopefully uh, he takes Tyler Linderbaum under his, his wings and, yeah. and gives him uh, some tips on, on that. Um, Zeiler, um, I wonder what you think of this comparison. He's looking to me a little bit kind of for the Ravens, kind of like, you know, Matt Burke. Um, yeah. Back in, in that time, uh, a guy in his, his early thirties, finishing out his career, uh, Burke also an iron man. I know he had, he had one injury that kept him out for, a year, but I think other than that was pretty healthy. 
Um, and interestingly, uh, the Ravens signed Burke a year after Ogden retired, kind of mm-hmm. as a, the vet to um, hold together uh, the offensive line. Uh, Zeitler comes in a year after Yonda retires. Um, and I think, you know, you can look at Zeitler if we're looking at what he's going to be in 2022. Um, I think his role to, to what Burke had then is kind of parallel. Yeah. I, Burke was an outstanding player with the Ravens. And that interior offensive line, it'll never be as good again as it was with <laughs> Grubbs, Burke, and Yonda. I just I don't oh. <laughs> believe you can, you can put together that kind of a group. I, I think Ravens fans kind of missed it. In some ways, they also didn't realize how how good the tackles we were had at the time there. And in 2009, in particular, having Gaither at left tackle had his best year, and 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 it was a very fine year. And then Orr at right tackle started off his career at the top of the ski slope, and unfortunately, it was all downhill from there. Uh, but uh, but his his moves kind of messed him up over time. But but his rookie year at right tackle, he's a very physical player, uh, very imposing, and and I. I, I'd speculated from time to time that his actual move from right tackle to left tackle, it it probably didn't cost him a Hall of Fame career, but it wasn't too far from doing it. It might have cost him a ring mm-hmm. of honor career uh, where where he could have stayed there to a second contract with the Ravens. Been, been, but he just, I, I, for whatever reason, obviously the combination of wanting to get paid himself and the Ravens wanting to you know get that left tackle position solidified with somebody who actually wanted to play football – and we didn't know that was a problem with Gaither at the time, but it, but it was. Right. Yeah. I, I actually ran into Joe Flacco at a suite holder event. So my, my company oh, has really? a, at a suite and nice. they have a special event that they, that they held once per year. And uh, we went to that and, and the first year we were there it was 2009 during the off season between 08 and 09. And Flacco was the, was the, actually, no, it was, after, it was between nine and 10. Sorry about that. So the first year was Ray Rice. Uh, but but we went. It was between nine and ten, and Flacco was there, and he, uh, uh, you know, he's just standing there by himself for some reason. No one's talking to him. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but I went over to him and said, "Hey, Joe, what do you think about the offensive line?" And 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 he and he went through each offensive lineman and had something nice to say, basically. And it's it's very complimentary, as if he's talking about his you know his family and whatnot. But but then he got to Jared Gaither, and hopefully Jared will get more into it. <laughs> so said, holy mackerel yeah. i had no idea <laughs> oh he, he played pretty well but <laughs> oh man you always had to appreciate how frank flacco could be <laughs> yeah yeah frank flacco there you go all right so how about some goals for kevin zeitler for this coming year yeah you know um again we're going to look at the at the past a bit i think it's it's really interesting that you know you'll have the raven's put the biggest draft capital they've put ever into center position, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, love or hate the move. He's on the team. Um, so we want him to, uh, the Ravens to get the most value they can out of that. Um, having him start his NFL career with, um, Zeitler right to his side. You know, I, I think that he should be able to, to really help groom this guy and help him transition to the NFL. Uh, not unlike what Yonda did for, uh, Stanley in, I want to say 2016, I believe it was that year. Um, what was it? Yonda had that um, right arm injury, and instead of sitting That's out, right. moved to left moved guard. To left guard. Um, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, Stanley started his rookie career off a, a little rough, and then had an injury. Um, mm-hmm. But his play improved when uh, when Yonda moved there, and you know, That's whether it's a coincidence point. or or you know, just what it was I'm, I'm certainly it didn't hurt stanley's development that he got to start out with a future hall of famer 
um, next to him. And, and not saying that Zeitler is Yonda because, um, you know, Yonda is just obviously on, a, on another level. But Zeitler, extremely, uh, you know, technically sound. He knows what he's doing. Um, you, 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 there's very few offensive linemen in the league today that you would want your first round center starting next to than than Zeitler, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that has a, a tremendous uh, a, a possibility of helping him on multiple levels. And you, you mentioned a very good one there is is in terms of his actual play and you know getting the blocking assignments right and whatnot. I think you know they're going to be on a lot of double teams together, and getting those resolved mm-hmm. quickly is something I trust that pair of players to do very well. So when you when you combination block and you're on a double team on particularly on a run play, you're trying to get one of those linemen up to level two, and you almost never, well, rarely do you really want to stay on a double team uh, just just to try and hold somebody off. In fact, that's usually the defensive player is winning if that's the case. So so you need to resolve that double team quickly at the line of scrimmage, and usually it's one guy's job to get him kind of stood up, and the other guy's job to get, kind of get him knocked off his balance so that the other guy, can, the, the original guy, can finish him. And then that the, the the guy who got him off balance also moves up to level two and tries to make a block. That's a combination block. So anyway, I, I Linderbaum has tremendous value in level two, but he also could make a good fine back end player because I think you can. You know, we saw with Matt Skura, certainly a guy who was not the most physical player, but certainly uh, did a good job on the back end of double teams that I think was really undervalued in in, in some quarters. But uh, Linderbaum, I think, will be fine if he has help. Uh, on a double team immediately. And that could come from, from Zeitler a lot, but it also could come from Nick Boyle, Patrick Ricard, the left guard, mm-hmm. whoever that is. So he's got a lot of people who can, who can help him get through it. And it's quality players. I mean, you know, he's got a pro bowler on former pro bowler on two sides of him in terms of the, the guard and the, and the, uh, uh, and the fullback, but he's also got a, a, a motioning tight end a lot of the time that can help him. And he's got another guard uh, who we hope is going to be somebody pretty good, but at least he'll be big if it's Ben Cleveland. How about another goal from you, Peter? Um, another goal, and, and this one's kind of hard to say because it's more of a goal for the overall offensive line. Um, I think with individual offensive line in the unit, they kind of blend together sometimes. But, um, you know, obviously with how fragile the offensive line was last year, we saw Lamar, um, we would have loved for him to have a lot more ample time and space back in the pocket. Um, so whatever Zeitler can do there, that has to be a key um, a key point of the offseason program for the Ravens is examining what went wrong beyond just injuries, because obviously injuries are going to happen every year um, and how they can uh, fix that. Um, now, what can Zeitler do on his own uh, as an individual level um, to improve on that? Um, you know, I'm not sure because he did a, a fairly good job uh, in pass protection last year, and, and that might be understating it. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be a goal for the whole offensive line. Um, and obviously, so obviously that includes Zeitler, even though he's um, done a very good job at that in his career. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like getting the whole office together and you're talking to everybody and saying, we got to do, we, we got to do a better job here at getting it done. And then, you know, you have your two best performers, they're in the room, they're nodding their head, but, but you're not really talking to them. because hey, Exactly. You know, That's a good analogy. <laughs> they're doing just fine. So, uh, you know, Zeitler, 
there isn't really any specific skill improvement that's that's either required or really reasonable at his age. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect uh, him to get better at anything. It could possibly right. be that a return to a more run-heavy scheme, and they were very pass-heavy last year, he could do better with that somehow. Some somehow, you know, his skills could be more magnified or magnified in a in a way that's positive for his overall performance if if the if the scheme is more run heavy and you know they're that the offense is back to really wearing out and tiring opposing defenses in a way that uh you know really allows some offensive linemen to shine in terms of what they do but the, the truth of the matter is he's, he's 32 years old and uh you know the most important thing is that father time doesn't catch up with him in and give you a negative surprise there's there's really no positive surprise you're going to get from Kevin Zeitler at this point that is true. And I, you do bring up another good point, um, which is kind of the next goal I have for him, which is, you know, play as many games as possible for this team. Obviously, we said he's been an absolute perfection in getting on the field. Um, but we have seen it with a lot of free agents. It's very common for these guys to come in. They come in, they have a great year, and then and then injury and age catches up with them. We saw mm-hmm. recently Mark Ingram, Derek Wolf, um, you know, Steve Smith came in and then he had injuries uh, yep. in 15 and 16. And, and all those guys are individual players, obviously. Um, so, you know, there's several reasons for why that is. Um, and again, maybe Zeitler will be like, be like Burke and be able to preserve his body to finish out his contract and, and, maybe sign a second as Burke did, but um, just because of the realities of an aging football player, I think we do need to include that uh, as a goal for him this year. Sure. And, and it, it, in going through these, I can tell you, I tried to avoid the stay healthy ones for anyone except someone's had a really had a history of health problems because it's true of every football player. It's hard it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll continue on with a couple more things. The first is is a very small one. It's reduced penalties. He had seven penalties last year. That's his his career high. And it would be nice if he could reduce those. One of them was that ticky-tack illegal man downfield penalty that cost the Ravens near the goal line. Uh, I think it it cost him points, I'm I'm pretty sure. But I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what game that occurred in. But anyway, (laughs) not not that there wasn't some ticky-tack stuff in there, but him reducing his penalties is really a uh, a, fairly important thing in terms of that. Uh, If you get down to three or four, that's that's the good level. Seven is is too many. Um, I'll add one other is that I I want him to lead in whatever way is most comfortable in the offensive line room. He's already going to lead on the field in terms of making line calls that hopefully make it easier for Linderbaum to focus on getting very high quality laser like snaps to the midsection of Lamar Jackson that won't have him having to refocus his eyes all over the field. So part of that is that, is that it really should help Linderbaum to have Zeitler making those line calls. Absolutely. Yeah. I I agree with all of that. Uh, other goals? You have anything else, or I'm trying to see if I've got anything else I want to. Um, talk about. I, I think you really hit the last thing I was going to say with with just right there, just the you know him finding how his voice um, carries best in this offensive line room to help out you know the young guys and make it easier mm-hmm. for Moses, who's coming in from a different organization, and and Ronnie, who will be working back from essentially two years off of football. Yeah, you get you get you definitely have some players in the room 
who don't need a lot of leadership. So a lot of that leadership's at an individual level. And maybe, you know, I'm, I'm going to be watching at camp and really trying to see is is Zeitler trying to help Ben Cleveland learn how to play the position? And they, they mm. I mean, you know, it's left guard, right guard, but there's a <laughs> lot of footwork concerns and pulling concerns that are ser- similar mirror images of each other. And obviously, uh, Cleveland started out as a right guard at Georgia, so uh, I, I'll be very interested to see that. I mean, it, Phillips, another guy who maybe needs to be led uh, by somebody. And of course, obviously, Linderbaum being a rookie in the league. Uh, Zeitler and he having to work together, that's that's the most obvious teaching relationship of all. Absolutely. All right. How about tell us what's a good year from your perspective for Kevin Zeitler? Yeah, I think um, a good year from him is uh, like we're talking about being the leader to those young guys, kind of coach on the field, calling out the, the defenses and, um, you know, just continuing to be the steady pro that he's that he's been that he um brought in in his first year here on the team yeah that uh that certainly would do it i'm very close to that i i said beats the sands in the hourglass with another year at or near the same level and that you gotta realize i mean he's just played basically every snap the entire season at right guard he might have taken a few off but that but it wasn't many and you know when you do that and you're and you're going from age 31 to age 32 the best thing that can happen is no regression and uh, or a good thing that could happen. Let's put it that way. There's no regression. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good result. So I'm calling that good for this year, regardless of what other chaos might happen around him. If he can personally keep himself able to perform at the same level, uh, how about a great year? Great year. Um, well, again, uh, it was kind of hard for me to put this in a in a way that was individually to Zeitler, especially as we're you know we're talking about <laughs> um, how no surprises mm-hmm. is good good news from him. Um, but it just, you know, the offensive line is, uh, vastly improved from last year. If there's no really mm-hmm. other way to put it. And, you know, they're able, to, they're able to keep Lamar up and, uh, Zeitler's able to, um, create big lanes for, uh, hopefully resurgent Gus Edwards and, and JK Dobbins. Yeah. I, uh, all, very important stuff. I've, again, I'm very similar. Again, personal play continues at or near the same level. He stabilizes the offensive line with clear communication of line calls. So he takes that responsibility off Linderbaum's pace, a plate. He assimilates Moses and Linderbaum into the Ravens scheme. So whatever they're not doing right next to him, if he's responsible for telling them about it, that's good. I think that's <laughs> going to be good for the Ravens if, if, if that happens. And then the most important thing is exactly what you said, that the Ravens offense returns to a level of dominance that I, I don't want to be too greedy here, but it's between the 2019 and 2020 level. And I've said this on a couple of pods, but I don't mind repeating myself, but that 2019 offense was historic. And to expect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the defense to return to that level is kind of like people talking pretty much every year about how this defense might be as good as 2000. It's, it'll never happen again. <laughs> it, it, it really will never. And it really will never happen in terms of relative to the cap spent. It's, it's, Mm-hmm. NFL history, it's probably yeah. the greatest ever offense in, in those terms. So if they could return to uh, the high twos, maybe about 2.7 points per drive, as opposed to 3.08, you know, in their in their really dominant year, uh, get back to about 88% of what they were. Uh, that to me would be outstanding. And I think that would allow their defense to really lean on some opponents with a lead if they if they could do that. So a lot is on this offensive line to, <laughs> to deliver on that. Absolutely. And and you bring up great points that, you know, 
Um, maybe it'll happen, but the odds really aren't for it that the offense will be that explosive. But um, yeah, certainly if, if they're, their offense can still be not quite as that explosive and they can still have a, a very good record. Cause you look at those games, there are a lot of times where they scored way more points than they needed to. So <laughs> okay. gave themselves some wiggle room to, to uh, progress a bit and still, uh, still have a lot of success. It's called a lack of Pythagorean efficiency because a Pythagorean one loss record of exactly, course, is yep. derived from points. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter, great talking football with you, my friend. Really, really nice to have you on. And, uh, uh Appreciate you get the guys at One Winning Pod. Tell folks again, uh, your own personal Twitter address? Absolutely. Well, uh, my personal Twitter address, I'm still uh, not even one year on Twitter. But <laughs> my personal Twitter address, uh, you can put in the show notes. At, you at see how much P- I'm on Twitter. P-C-O-C-O-R-2112. That's you. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can see how much that I'm, I use that account by how I had to go search for it on my phone. But um, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to be more active on that. But I am very active on the One Winning Pod account. Uh, those of you who follow know that we run uh, polls here and there, especially on Purple Friday. Um, I'm always the one putting together the poll. Uh, we have fun interaction there. And um, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, come on by if you haven't. Uh, I don't know if it'll be our most recent episode um, when this is posted, but we just did an episode with, um, Ryan Mink of BaltimoreRavens.com mm-hmm. discussing, uh, some guys on the Ravens who are between year three and five, who we think are most likely to break out. Um, really fun episode and give that a listen, uh, if you're interested. All right. Uh, give these guys a shot. I, I, I know I have them on all of them as guests from time to time, especially Alec, probably more than the others, but, uh, <laughs> all of them, you've done all a good job on this particular series. And, and I really appreciate having you on. It's always great to talk football with y'all. Uh, if, thank you, Ken. Same to you. <laughs> if you're out there and you'd like to be on a film study short this off season, July is a great month to do it. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. And I'll get back to you very quickly. Ideally, a narrow topic that we can get into in some depth in 25 or 30 minutes where you're not going to have to carry the whole conversation. So if you've got a presentation you're thinking about, about a 15-minute presentation is all that is really supportable given the number of questions that I'll ask about it as you you move through that. But we do have some people who like to do analytics presentations, and that's certainly one thing I'm very eager to have folks on to do. Peter, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.